2: This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Hey, welcome to Questlove Supreme. I'm Questlove, and I'm really, really excited about the next two episodes of QLS with our guest, Kenneth Babyface Edmonds. That's right, the man. We learned a lot about this man and his craft, enough to fill two episodes. So, without further delay, here is part one.
3: Wow. Suprema, Sup, Sup, su, Suprema, roll call. Suprema, Sup, Sup, Suprema, roll
2: call. Suprema, Sup, Sup, Suprema, roll call. Suprema, Sup, su, Suprema, roll call. Quest love in the place. Yeah. What y'all wanna do? Yeah. Gotta ask baby face, can I get the ladies if I sing? No. <laughs>
3: <Whoa. laughs> Suprema, roll my name is Fonte, Yeah. You hear me now? Yeah. That's the end of my verse. Yeah. So I'll take a bow. Roll
4: Suprema. My
1: name is Sugar. Yeah. I ain't no dummy. Yeah. If I could change the world, you'd yeah. all be gummies. Roll <laughs> Suprema,
4: <laughs> su, Suprema <laughs> ro- roll call. Suprema, sup sup, Suprema, roll call. Boss Bill's my name. Yeah, doing things to hold my way. Yeah, but I just can't, won't stop. Yeah, till I have my own highway. Roll call, <laughs> Suprema, sup <laughs> sup, Suprema, roll call, Suprema, sup sup, Suprema, roll call. On La Laia. Yeah,
0: and I'm in this place.
4: Yeah,
0: somebody with me. Yeah. It's okay because it's baby face.
4: Roll call. Suprema. Sup, Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Sup, Suprema. Roll
5: call. My name, my name is Faith. Yeah. Y'all in my place. Yeah. Up in my space. Yeah. Oh.
2: Welcome to another edition of Questlove Supreme, only on Pandora. Uh, this is Questlove on lead vocals. We got uh, Fonticolo Jenkins, yeah, yeah. on vocals and saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got we got Sugar Steve, right? We got Sugar Steve on percussion, uh, harp and tambourine. <laughs> yeah. Jazz harp, jazz, uh, j- jazz harp, not G's harp. No, okay, uh, jazz harp. Okay, just making sure. Uh, we got Boss Bill <laughs> on uh, sly guitar. How you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, Happy we good. got uh, Lady Laia, a.k.a. Margaret, on French horn. <laughs> 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 no explanation needed. Nah. Uh, yeah, we're the collective team known as uh, Team Supreme. Uh, we're kind of the rabbit hole seeking uh, Man, music, m- music factoid knowing, muse to the stars, unsolicited, life advice given, uh, music dweebs you all know and love. And uh, (laughs) our very special guest today is one of the most, uh, is one of the few luminaries uh, to have co written, I'll say, the soundtrack of your life, uh,
4: whether you care to admit that or not. That's not an exaggeration. At I, was, all. I actually said it earlier as I was walking through that amazing Literally. hallway yeah. with all those plaques on the wall with pretty much every record that was released in the last thirty years. Yeah. <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> uh, can... Wait, I love the
2: fact that uh, my
4: baby daddy is also something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the, and then there was bass compilation. I bought that. All right, yeah. right. I got uh-huh. the twelve-inch. Oh
3: wow, he did. Oh wow, well, that
2: yeah, was on the that. face. Yeah, it was. On it, face. It, see, we already fell into a rap. Right. Right. <laughs> uh Kenneth Babyface Edmund is a one-man timpan alley. Uh, one man, uh, Brill Building, uh, with the song catalog uh, to rival all history's greats, Lennon McCartney's, the Beck catalog. Um, he's either written or co-authored or produced hit after hit after hit after hit. Um, he was just recently inducted into the illustrious Songwriters Hall of Fame uh, in this year of Our Lord 2017. Um, and uh, our guest, he's a 40-time Grammy Award nominee,
5: Three Jeez of which, sauce.
2: three of which, he was uh, rightfully uh, bestowed the honor of producer of the year. Uh, he last year nabbed, or a few years ago, nabbed your eleventh Grammy for uh, yeah. for uh, the collaborative album with uh, Tony Braxton entitled "Love, Marriage, and Divorce," which sounds like the man. <laughs> <laughs> <Salad money's laughs> the team Supreme. <laughs> 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 exactly. Um, it's incidentally uh, the tenth album that bears his name as a solo artist, and it doesn't stop there. Uh, in 1992, he entered the uh, record books having pinned "End of the Road" by my uh, high school bandmates, uh, Boys to Men, uh, which literally spent the entire summer at number one for 13 weeks, uh, only to have that record broken again uh, with his uh, "I'll Make Love to You," uh, which remained number one for 14 weeks, dominating the summer of 1994. Uh, he's written 26 number one R&B hits, countless top 10. Uh, pop hits and his top 40s are in the hundreds Uh, there is literally no artist that could make a dent uh, penetrating modern radio in the 90s without this man behind the wheel as a songwriter producer or label head Um, name them Karen White Whitney Houston TLC Eric Clapton Madonna Mary J. Blige the list goes on and on Uh, if I were to List his entire resume, the show would be over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be over. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for
5: Kenneth, Babyface, Evans. Yes. 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 Uh,
2: thank you. Yes. I. I <laughs> where, where do you start? This, this is like our
4: dream, man. <laughs> yeah. Was, I, I feel like I've wasted my entire life. I'm sorry. Just, this is walking through the hall. Walking through like, the hall, yeah. man. It's just like I feel so small. Ego killer. And <laughs> I, like 40,
2: I love how that Jackson's photo hits you right when you walk in the oh, door. Yeah. Just. <laughs> It just literally hits you. That's crazy. Thank you. Uh, okay, so we have so many questions to ask you. Yeah. Um, and because you have history in in Middle America in Indiana, uh, I will ask you about your
5: beginnings. Like, where did you Where did you grow up? Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay, and that was a that's the real Midwest. It right. wasn't Kokomo, but it was um,
2: <laughs> my hometown. Yeah, yeah. Boss Bill's from uh, Kokomo. I never knew there was a Kokomo. Yeah, not
4: like <laughs> oh, I Detroit thought that was song. a ca- That's song, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a real, real yeah. place. Unfortunately. Aretha Franklin wrote a song about it, too. Great song. <laughs> That's how I knew it, learned about it from
0: Aretha. Was it the opposite of.
4: Wait, there's a song called Kokomo by Aretha Franklin? It's called First Snow and Kokomo on a Young Gifted and Black album. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. What was song that song that about? about? It's uh, basically just like a slice of life. I think she's Her husband was from. Uh, from Kokomo at the time. So I guess they would go back and visit family a lot. And so this song is basically about... And her, oh, son, her yeah. sister lived there for a while. Yeah. yeah. So.
2: Didn't know that. Yeah. You yeah. two might be cousins. Might be. We all might be cousins. <laughs> <guys>. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, so can I, can I assume, uh, because of a lot of studies that I've done um, on the rise of black music in the Midwest, Yeah. Chicago, Indiana, Ohio... Um, that your parents migrated to Indiana, or were they? Was your whole family history there? Or
5: well, yes, from, through Kentucky, and you know, and then okay, I don't we know. We actually where might be where well, Kentucky. <laughs> 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 really, <laughs> we're in Kentucky, Providence, Kentucky. How far?
4: How far is that from Bowling Green? Do you know? I have no okay. idea. I have to look it up later. All right. Wow, I feel like uh, Skip Gates <laughs> on Find Your Roots. My, your roots. <laughs>
2: so, okay, so your family started in Kentucky.
5: Yeah. And then... uh, my my mom, my dad came from, he was in Kentucky. He was, uh, and he ultimately met my mom. He moved, my mom was there already in Indianapolis. My grandfather used to have a soul food restaurant called Chicken Shack. And, and, uh, Wow, well, I might be the son then. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, great. And uh, my dad met met her at the Chicken Shack, and he was much older. He was about I don't know seventeen years older. And this is
2: the most soulful story of all time. <laughs> Man,
5: yeah, this is awesome. And he was, uh, and he was from you know Providence, Kentucky. And as, as a kid, he got out of there because he was a coal miner. And as a uh, kid, and for about four years, he was doing from like eleven to you know, 15 or so. Okay. And then got out of there finally and, and made it to Indianapolis and, and, and did some things. And I don't think he, he sung a little bit. Actually, he had a really good voice and stuff. But it wasn't like we heard music around the house all the time. We just would hear records being played. But it was just kind of a uh, just one of those things we just kind of gravitated to. So you didn't grow up in church or yeah, like that? The church came a little bit later, like probably about sixth, seventh grade. My mom she wasn't in church through through all that time. And then then, I, I got introduced to church and 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 I would I used to sit outside. though. once choir was done, I'd go sit outside so and listen to the radio. So
0: I was amazed you, to see without objection. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's uh,
5: Well, because I, I sat up in the balcony and she and uh, she couldn't she see me, see you. so I snuck out there. Yeah, smart. That's okay. how, that's how I learned about James Taylor. Oh man. Because I was listening to the A.M. station because, you know, on all the black stations were playing church music at that time right. on Sunday. Okay. So then I found the pop station that played, this guy that played acoustic guitar, which was James Taylor, which kind of blew me away. So,
2: What was the, do you know, the first record that you purchased?
5: Whew. That's a good question. I didn't purchase it. it would, or purchase for you. Um, I think it was a Jackson 5 record. Okay. We in sixth grade. What yeah. James Taylor song? Oh, if, um, there, if you're talking about a specific James one. James Taylor it was. Uh, I heard like Fire and Rain, and um, uh, I think it, think it was that It was Fire and Rain.
2: So you came of age once the Jacksons had signed to Motown and. Yeah. Okay. I, did I read an interview once where you said you were in the audience when they did Going Back to Indiana? Yeah. They. they you they, were that at that concert. That was in Indianapolis. Yeah. What was that like? Because. It was to, I think the audience mic was louder than <laughs> then the vocal mics. <laughs> the Ronnie Rassiver's keyboard and everything like, you know, you heard the audience more. Like even in the public right. enemy sample, the girl screaming. Uh, yeah. like, right. Like that's what so what was that like? For right,
5: you? I think they recorded it a couple places, but that was the main place that they did it and so I I had a terrible seat I was sitting in back so all I could see was the back of their froze every now and (laughs) then if they do a spin oh
2: behind them exactly okay yeah so
5: I could catch a glimpse if they did a spin other than that all you could see was the back of their heads and but it was I mean I was like blown away and I think I I had tears running down my you know face because I just couldn't believe I was there and they were there they were real because at that particular point you know you you'd seen them on TV mm-hmm. and in those days that's the only time you saw anybody so when they came to your town it was it was amazing and the crowd was like crowd lost they had to stop the show about four times cuz the crowd kept rushing the stage so it was amazing
2: so just to be their age and to see them like was that a was that a turning point for you like oh yeah it was it was it's, it's
5: that was the point when i knew that's that I wanted to do that. I wanted to do something like that. I didn't know exactly what, but I knew that was, I wanted to be in that lane somehow. Mm-hmm. And I also promised myself at that point that I would meet them one day, you know. Wow. Well, you did more than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
0: How many Edmonds are there? How many brothers and sisters? It was six boys. So y'all are kind of, so, and a lot of y'all can sing, right?
5: Or is it just it's a two, it feels couple, like A couple, couple Kevin and Melvin. Right. They, they could sing. And the, the, so, I at no
2: point you try to do the Edmund. No, the Edmund Four.
5: Right? No, because the other ones they couldn't sing. They thought they could, but they couldn't really sing. So, <laughs>
2: were you the youngest of your? Group? I was
5: the fifth. The so, they had one one younger than me. Okay. Okay.
2: So, so in high school, were, were you like starting
5: bands? By that point, and I start first started singing in um, sixth grade. First picked up the guitar. Uh, my brother Melvin brought a guitar in the house and uh, told nobody not to touch it. The Joe Jackson story. Yeah, the Joe Jackson story. Yeah, don't you touch it. And uh, of course so, you like. Okay, girl Of course, yeah. Leave the room. And uh, and I had to touch it because you know there was this girl I kind of had a crush on. Rhonda Boot was her name, and and I wanted to write a song about her. Okay. So, so I grabbed the guitar and started learning these chords that Melvin had already played and. I wrote a song to those chords that he told me I could never play. <laughs> do you remember the song? Here I Go Falling In Love. Did you ever record it? I haven't recorded it. I know it, though. <laughs> <laughs>
4: have, you, have, you ever, have you ever thought about recording it? Uh, or like it's a spru-
5: simple... Sprucing it up a bit? N- no, it's, it's, it's a simple... You should keep it simple. <laughs> <right? Just laughs> make it an interlude. Uh, but it was, yeah, and I do have the original lyrics. My mom kept the lyrics that I've written down. so I do Really? Those, yeah. Did she ever hear the song? Did the girl ever hear it? Nah.
2: Yeah, what?
3: <laughs> Why
5: not?
2: <Nah>. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> it
3: doesn't go like that. Nah.
2: Did your brother ever find out that you touched his guitar?
5: Yeah, he did. Did when, you get beat up? Well, he didn't beat me up, but that's when he told me he he came to me and said, you know, I don't care how long you try how hard you try, you will never be as good as I am. Oh, oh my God! Challenge, famous last words.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You don't still bring that up. You, you, don't, you don't. No, no. Okay. point. Okay. Well, <laughs> His name is Babyface. Not it, P- right.
4: P- oh, exactly. Pandora, i just Babyface. Don't need us to bring it up. It's just
3: like he's Babyface. Just take a picture of the hallway, and that's it. Just
4: text, just text him that picture. Let's
3: compare walls, right? Let's walls. could talk. Hashtag hallway yeah. <laughs>
5: right
3: so you were self-taught like you uh do you have formal uh
5: lessons at any time no i, I was self-taught because it was a uh, i'm left-handed and it was a right-handed guitar so i had to i had to kind of teach myself i had to just kind of i and i played so i play upside down so i can't i couldn't really learn from him other than just to watch how he, what chords he played and listen to it and try to figure it out the other way around gotcha. and so and that's kind of like how i you know end up learning
2: so when did you officially uh start singing what i what i can i assume that man child entered the picture earlier or was this
5: that was right out of uh high school okay but there were groups all throughout you know um like sixth grade i had a group in my class we had we sang Smokey robinson song here i go falling in love okay um and um hence my song wrote I wrote here. I go <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say a similar title there. <laughs> I think Smokey stole it. But, anyway, uh, but um, so, yeah, I started kind of started singing there. And, and the very first time I sang, uh, Melvin had come home and came to me and Kevon and said that uh, he had this group called the Soul Innovations. And
4: mm-hmm. they
5: were playing at the mixer at our high school. And so and Jackson 5 were hot. So he needed one of us to sing one of the Jackson 5 songs. So we had a contest with each other and that year I beat Kevon. I could not beat him <laughs> this year. But um so um I ended up singing Who's Loving You at this mixer and uh that was kind of like the start of it, you know. Um and at the, after that then we we tried our uh, there was a group called Indy 5, not Jackson 5, Indy 5. Indie five. <laughs> That's and a good name. I, exactly. A good name. I was in the Indy 5 for a little bit and then uh Indy 5 broke up and then I probably about 8th grade I had a couple groups gemini 8 um lc Soul limited um the elements these are all groups in junior high
2: that I was in so i'm i'm assuming that because of i guess the i guess the um i guess you could say that from what i know uh in the midwest because the employment and industry was up in the factories pretty much all families bestowed uh, their kids with musical instruments and that sort of thing of like, Was there, did you ever personally witness like a, a decline or fallout, like the particular industry leave Indiana at that time and then you just saw the decline of interest in music go down or?
5: That didn't happen till I think, late 70s. Okay. Um, because prior to that, the thing that, that I remember the most and, and love the most about growing up was that you used to hear music all around the neighborhood. So you could walk around on a summer day and just go listening for a band rehearsing somewhere. And that's how you found your you know your group members. Somebody was practicing inside the garage. So you might hear a guitar player, a bass player, a drummer. You walk around the neighborhood all day long and hear different bands playing. And we used to have rival bands where bands were going against each other and stuff. And my uh, my brother's band was the Soul Innovations and the Dionysons and they would compare. Somebody was singing like James Brown. Somebody was more like <clears throat> the Temptations. So it was music all around the neighborhood, and everybody was like trying to make it. And um, and the the city was pretty supportive because even when I was in ninth grade with my group, the Elements, they had a contest for local bands. To the best local bands would be able to open up for Curtis Mayfield on his um superfly uh tour and so and my group we we actually won and so we were one of the openers for the for that show and uh so it was that musical where there was there was music and musicians and everybody wanted to play 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 an instrument and that i think when that started to change is when actually to be honest is when disco happened all the clubs, there used to be clubs where bands were playing all the time. And then, when disco started happening, then DJs, DJs kind of like came and took took the uh, took the band members away. I see. And, and that's when it started to change.
2: Did it change for you? Like, did you still feel as though like, well, I still want to be a musician, even though? Yeah,
5: I, I think I, I was. I, I don't know that I had ever had any choice uh, in this. It was like something that was. Just part of my DNA to to and do you,
2: music. Was your family, your parents supportive, or was this like
5: um, get a real job? Where was it? Well, when I right out of high school, I, I joined Manchild in '76. I joined Manchild, which was I was very lucky because I I don't know that I even thought about college, and and all my friends were they had thought about it and they were going away, and the next thing I know, oh, maybe I should have thought about college, but then. Um, I got asked to join this group called Manchild, and they had immediately got a record deal in 77. So I got lucky and we had a record deal and put out a couple of records and did, it was regional hits. And, uh, but then that only lasted for a little bit and we had a downside. And in that downside, I was staying home with my mom. And then one day my mom said, get in the car. I said, okay. She said, just get in the car, get in the car. And she drove me in front of this uh, uh, store that had a little photo mat, Mm. little little cubicle things where they used to get your films made. And so uh, they had a help wanted sign there. And she said, get one, pick it up. And then uh say get a job. Yep, get a job. You're gonna sign you gonna you're gonna get a job and you're gonna do that then. I left the house that morning the next morning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's when
5: I went and moved in with a girlfriend and you know,
0: So did you never have a, a day job, like a regular I,
5: I had a, I was a camp counselor. That's wow. That's that fun. was my only job. Like a summer job. Yeah, playing <laughs> guitar for kids and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda sort of. <sorted. laughs>
2: okay, so you're uh <laughs> Your 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 nom de plume, your uh, your nickname. Uh, I, I I've heard the legend of Bootsy Collins giving you this title, but how yeah. exactly did you come into
5: contact with? Um, my partner L.A. Reid and and uh, and Kale, one of the the bass player in the deal. They were actually doing demos with Bootsy when we were in uh, living in Cincinnati. And um we were working on a record there in Cincinnati, so it was kinda of down downtime and they were Bootsy had called LA, I think he already knew him already and asked them to come do some tracks. Mm-hmm. So I just walked in the studio one day, not knowing him really and um I think I met him before and uh and then he uh as soon as I walk in, he just goes, Babyface <laughs> <laughs> Or did he say, Oh, babyface Exactly <laughs> oh, <my> baby face. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly and uh I, I didn't like it, didn't like the sound of it, it just it didn't hit me right. And then he just started, then he said it again after he knew I didn't like it. <laughs> and uh, and then the guys in the band, they kind of they kind of stuck with it because everybody in the deal had a good nickname. Mm. It was, you know, K.O., Stick, D., Carlos, and Kenny hey, Edmonds. Kenneth, <laughs> right. <laughs> he was the, the Keith Murray of the group. Right. So it... So it didn't flow, and they were trying. We were trying to find a nickname for me for a while, and nothing was ever working. And then, you know, Bootsy said that, and I still wasn't. I wasn't good with it. Mm -hmm. But then we were out on tour in like '85. This is when it happened, and uh, we were doing this song. I used to sing the song called "Sweet November."
1: Yeah,
5: and I would sing it, you know, every night, and sing it the same way. And after you know D would go, that was Kenny Atmans, and it was a little, get a little bit of love, and then one night he changed it and he said, that was babyface and that night, a whole bunch of girls came back backstage looking for where's Babyface at?" <laughs> so I was good with my name <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, all right, all right, that's good um in cincinnati you' you're one of our you're one of our first guests um that's actually from the Ohio area. Um, again, a, a lot of myth has been made of that area in yeah. starting like a lot of those groups. But I mean, what was in Cincinnati? Was it was something in the water at the time, or
5: was it just like it was like breathing and chewing gum and walking? Like it's it's, it's the whole Midwest area. Because it was just it was Ohio, it was Chicago, it was Indianapolis. Um, there was because you know even from Indianapolis, you know you had West Montgomery and mm-hmm. um, um, there was Freddie Hubbard, it's a Yeah, yeah. Um, there was just something, something about um, maybe maybe it was the hard times initially and and and. Um, People finding themselves, but there was something that we were given as just as musicians. And I say the same thing about, you know, Detroit and like what happened in Detroit where you had so many artists that were from this general area around in Motown. You know, they were all in a 10 mile radius. You had so many from Dinah Ross to Stevie Wonder. They were all in this same area. What happened? What was in the water there? And it seems like that that same idea went around that whole Midwest area about the musicians that ultimately came from there.
2: But unlike Detroit, I mean, there really wasn't, I mean, there was Stardate King Records, which I assumed that King Records had fallen apart uh, uh-huh. after James Brown went to Polydor in 72. So, I mean, I, but I don't think there really was an, an epicenter per se. No. Like, for Bootsy's generation, James Brown's, you know, being in that area and yeah. recording there all the time, that was like inspiration for him in the Ohio, like- right cats then but i mean for for the generation that's in the late 70s going to the early 80s like did you feel like being from ohio was like oh okay we could still be a thing or was it like we got to go to la or we got to go to new york
5: to well interesting like la la rey who's from cincinnati mm-hmm. he came to indianapolis and lived in indianapolis because he felt like that was a place to go and the reason was because in indianapolis there were clubs there was a place to play and that didn't exist in Cincinnati. So at least in Indianapolis, you had a place where you could practice your trade and that wasn't really possible in, in, in Ohio. So a lot of the guys from, from, uh, Ohio came to Indianapolis many times. In fact, Midnight Star, they were always in Indianapolis playing at this club called Mark four. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, that was kind of it. So, the, so, but the whole thing, even in Indianapolis, the whole the whole idea of making it, you knew you had to either go to California. Uh, at that point, it was always about California or Chicago, and cause you weren't going to make it just by staying there. In any case, okay. Whether that was Ohio or Indiana.
2: Now, you meant you mentioned like seven or eight groups that you've been in between elementary and before Manchild. But what was it about you meeting your partners in the deal that made it stick like, okay, this is my this is my official band?
5: Well that was it was a long road getting there. Like when, in going through Manchild. I met So Ella. Manchild
2: didn't morph into the deal?
5: No. I was in There's three of you though, right? N- no. And Manchild, um Daryl Simmons was in Manchild. You and, and Daryl okay. Uh but he was the only one. Okay. And uh So LA used to come to Indianapolis, as I said, and we would. uh, He had this group called um, I don't know what the Essence, and uh, before he turned it into the deal, and then he he started the deal, and I saw the deal at this club called the Zodiac, in probably 1981, Mm -hmm. Um, and they were already kind of jumping on the whole time thing, and the Prince and Time thing, and like they were wearing leg warmers, they had. They had uh, eyeliner on, and right? It was, it, it was they had gone all the way, over. And right. I, I walked in there and I had my members-only jacket on, and, um, and so I was clearly not in that in their realm. Maybe some Gap jeans and maybe Jordache at the time, right. But uh, <laughs> But um, I was not I was not in their lane whatsoever. But I saw how great they were. They they were entertainers and. Um, and I met him at that particular point and, and just kind of said hello. And then it was probably about a year later or so, I heard I went and joined this another band. <laughs> 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 Your name should have been Nomad. <laughs> right. What's up with you, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, to top in bands? I was in, in this band in Michigan called Crowd Pleasers, which was basically a top 40 band. Okay. And uh, which was probably the best, you know. More people should play in top forty bands because in playing a top forty band, you learn other people's music. teaches you. It te- teaches you.
2: The Beatles did that in Hamburg. Exactly. They had to. Okay.
5: So it was. It was great. So we'd play the time. We'd play Earth, Wind, and Fire. We'd play, you know, uh, Cool in the Gang and songs that you h- hate playing nightly. And but meanwhile, um, you're meanwhile, getting that education. Exactly. And, aha. Okay. So, um, so while I was in that band, I also kind of felt like this was never going to go anywhere. I was trying to get everybody you know, to think about, like, maybe we should try to do a band at this point. Maybe we should try to get a record deal. But at that point, there were some guys that was already 60 years old, so it was probably a little late to be going for it. <laughs> um, so then uh, one of the guys in the band, this guy named Hollywood, he was in the band and he was talking to L.A. Uh, on the phone and he was a keyboard player and he was trying to join the deal. Mm-hmm. So um, I heard, talked to L.A. on the phone and I heard this demo that they had, this song called Turn It Up. And it was like so funky and so it was just it was just perfect and i was like dang i wish i was part of that group and i asked hollywood to ask la if they had room for a guitar player Mm -hmm. and uh just put a word in for me so hollywood asked them and uh, the word came back that uh i wouldn't breed enough so i couldn't join the band because i just didn't have enough breed
3: Enough breed.
2: What, I'm sorry. I yeah, I don't. I
5: don't, <laughs> I don't know what that Would means. You, you know, you they didn't think you were hip enough. Exactly. Thank I, you. Breed was like it was like kind of like it was the prince in time. You know, you, you, you I didn't wear leg warmers. <laughs> the prince was part of the know. new breed. Oh, okay. Yes. I always okay. think
0: of breed as kind of elitist, but it's okay. Mm.
5: So I wasn't breed enough. Mm. So, but I I was because right. up in now. I, but you didn't know I had changed. I right. didn't have a members-only jacket on anymore. I had changed, and I, I, had, I was wearing leg warmers and stuff at the time. But LA hadn't seen that yet, right? So, um, and how that happened, how I ultimately, how he was able ultimately to see that, is I had written this song, um, called "Slow Jam," mm, from "Midnight Star." Midnight Star song, okay. And uh, the manager um, knew me, and he. I gave them the song and they had heard the song and they wanted to record the song. So they asked me to come down to Cincinnati to help them record the song. And when I went down there, that's when I went and I was singing the demo in the studio. That's when LA saw me and heard me singing. He said, who is that singing? And he walked in, he saw me, and he saw I had Breed (laughs) It (laughs) Up. That's
2: gonna be our new slang. Breed It Up.
3: The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective.
0: And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
1: Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: So wait, you you play slow jam on No parking on the Dance Floor before you join the deal? Yes. I believe it's on New no Park. Yeah, of I think it is. Yeah. Okay,
5: that's what, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, that, Yeah. Okay. So that was, they were, at that time, uh, they had signed the deal up and they were doing demos on the deal to try to get them a record deal, Midnight Star. And so when I came down there, they asked me to stay down because I was really good in on making four-track demos on that little t four-track mm-hmm. cassette. I was good on doing backgrounds and everything. and mm-hmm. And they were like- Bouncing and- Yep. I it did. sounded
2: like the final product. Oh, it was all the way there. So. <laughs> well, wait. What were you in eighty? This 81, 81,
5: 82. 80, yeah.
2: Like how how uh, progressive was technology for you to? Were you already mastering drum
5: machines and? Oh, well, there this was stuff? A, there was a drum machine. There was like the seven hundred and seven, the Roland seven hundred and seven. So you just had to teach yourself. Yeah. like how to. Okay. Yeah, just you know uh, the OBX. And um, so you kind of worked with that, and uh, and then just doing the vocals, you know, just bouncing the bouncing the vocals. So I was able to make good demos on the four track, and that's why I was asked to stay to help make help the deal make demos and maybe do some songwriting with them as well. And so I stayed. there. I told the crowd, please, I wasn't coming back for a little bit. I'm gonna help do these demos. <laughs> And then (laughs) you didn't come back. Actually, I did. After we finished the demos, and I went back to the crowd pleasers, and I was kind of sad because my world was back into top 40. And then LA called me probably about a month later and said, Good news, we got a record deal. And I was like, Good for (laughs) y'all. And uh, then he said, And got some other good news. And I said, What's that? He said, talk to the guys and they want you to join the group. So, and that was it. I was able to get away at that point. So, wow, that was. And so when you ask, was that, why was, was that the group? It was, wasn't so much just the group. It was my relationship with LA, me and LA. We, we clicked at that point and we, we wrote and we produced and we kind of just kind of saw the, saw the things the same way. And it was kind of like that partner that I needed I needed to give him confidence and he gave me confidence, I think.
2: But being as though you were the the last member to join a group. Yep. And we all know, I mean, especially in today's model, like groups aren't even encouraged anymore. It's all about solo acts because they're easier to control. Yeah. How are you able to even suggest or exercise your powers in this ensemble. Like even though LA is your, uh-huh. your advocate, are the other fellas feeling a certain way? Like
5: Um You know. Yeah. I, I I didn't come in there. There was a couple that one in particular that didn't want me there at all. Okay. And and I was also voted his name is Kamal. No I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. A, I was also joke. voted to not sing either.
0: Oh. Well, how many singers were there?
5: There was two. Okay, and I was voted. I didn't come in to be. It's a like singer. the new
2: addition situation. <laughs> yeah, like,
5: <laughs> and so, but I was okay with that because I, you know, I just wanted to, I just wanted to, you know, play guitar and, and write some songs and, and so part of that, part of that was they knew that I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to take anybody's place.
3: So on shoot 'em up movies. Who's that singing yes.
5: lead? That's Carlos. Okay.
3: Ah. Uh-huh. Okay, so but, but to me, your background is right, what yeah, makes yeah, the song. Yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: So, were you ready in '83? Had that moment came to to sing lead?
5: Like, no, not really. I mean, I I was doing demos that were getting songs placed. You know, because I I did a song for The Whispers at that time. Uh, yeah, they placed a song for the, for the Whispers a couple of times. Rockstar and. No, before the even oh, before Sports that, this, and uh, <laughs> I even did this parody record of. Uh, oh, gotta find it! <laughs> you, you'll never find it. <laughs> you think, won that? <laughs> <laughs> never underestimate teams <laughs> of um, But um, so we
2: got our phones ready. <laughs> <laughs> what parody record? Man? Come on.
5: Okay, so we were out on tour. The very first tour we went out on was with Luther and DeBarge. Oh, exactly! What a
2: show that was! You were on part of that tour?
5: Yeah, oh, I got. I got questions. All Let's right, go ahead. <laughs> so, um, so I was like major fan of L, mm-hmm. and I loved uh, all this love. Yes, mm. yes. And so for the fun of it, I did this little song called All My Children, because we used to write, we used to lo- watch All My Children. You're a musician. That's what you right. do. If you don't daytime, you, you're right, yeah. you find your soap, and All My Children. You're
0: was the it. only one to admit that, though. Thank <laughs> you. Thank <laughs> you.
2: Alex
5: Vanderpool. It's
2: All My Children.
5: So, uh, so we we watched that c- crazy, and, and then I wrote. So I did, you know, instead of all this love, I did all my children. All my children comes on at noon. <laughs>
6: <And> <laughs> Exclusive. Rewind, I'll come back again. <laughs> oh, that's
4: great! I was ready for
5: that. Okay, yeah. and uh, it was great. I even played it for L one day, and L looked at me like are you like are you making fun of me or what oh, <laughs> oh yeah they, they light like, skinned from they, the D They,
2: deep.
0: they <laughs> <you're> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> oh, yeah. was gangsters
5: we stay right. ready yeah. I could give you a whole thing on right? light skinned thing, but anyway <laughs> yeah they, they ran anyway, right. it, was, it, was, it was rough on us at that time oh, oh, oh,
0: oh I'll be sure Then that's oh, no, before was that was before
4: that was a whole different thing yeah. but um, light skinned brothers ruled the early 80s completely yes, yes we did
5: yeah. <laughs> with the iron fist right and the gun maybe yeah and then the 90s happened. So, so we did this song, and then uh, for the, somehow or another, Dick Griffey heard it. Right. And I want you to do that on my wife. So he asked me to do it on Carrie Lucas. Carrie Lucas. TV. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so she recorded that song.
3: The All My Children song? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what <laughs> the- Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yo, somebody,
6: somebody come back against you we next, we'll, Yo.
2: we'll,
3: we'll find it. We'll find it. I'm
2: googling
5: right now. <laughs>
2: Wait a minute. This is crazy.
5: All right. Did it get commercially released? I think it did. It was the first. It was Chris. the first production that me and LA were able to do. And it was the first time we felt like we was Jimmy and Terry. Wait, Cause, Wait. Cause <laughs> we got we got to get on a plane and go go away and you know go to California while the band was somewhere else. And you know we used to hear the Jimmy and Terry they used to do that with the time. So mm-hmm. we was we was Jimmy and Terry. It's and our it turn the,
2: now. But, Wait a minute. That's weird. You're saying <laughs> that because ah oh, dog. All right. So when. Uh, griffey passed away his daughter was slowly eBaying a lot of uh notable stuff like artifacts from there but there were so many half inch tapes of oh my god i just wanted the the soul train stuff um but i didn't even bother to to go through the the solar um half inch reels and stuff that I
3: bet you it's there. <laughs> what was what was Dick Griffey like, man? He's just one of those people that we read about, and I mean, what do you what
5: do you think he was like? Well, at
3: the
2: time, I've heard well, that he might be Suge Knightish. Well, he
4: was. I mean, he put Suge on. Shug, not, yeah. He put Suge on. Deep Cover soundtrack was on Solar Records. Oh. so
2: I've heard that, but I've never heard Dick Griffey. I mean, my my impression of him was always like the. I never heard no big red stories like no, you know, my office. There office was a lot of five shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Okay so you're going to learn that I'm I'm a I'm a soul trainer file. So okay. there's a lot of episodes in which Don will sarcastically uh talk about Dick mainly to like Walter and Scotty from the Whispers or yes, members of friends. Shalomar. um you know like does does your boss Dick Rick v know that you're here wink 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 that sort of thing. So right. it's exactly what was Dick Griffey like?
5: Well, Dick and and Don were very close initially. They, mm-hmm. you know, the whole soul train thing was was there. And basically, Dick decided to go off and do records, and and Don went to TV. Mm-hmm. Um, Dick Griffey was a black man, about as black as they come. Okay, and and, um, and he was he scared some white executives. They were they were a little afraid to deal with him because they thought he might actually do something mm-hmm. if you mess with him mess with the stuff uh and he was also kind of scary sometimes to to talk to right you know he'd shake your hand you know please meet you Oh shit! <laughs> Wait, what just happened? There?
0: <laughs> My, that hurt. That was, that oh, was, that's
2: that's a, that was a violent <laughs> hand. Exactly.
5: So he was conduct business uh, with uh, a gun uh, on the table. But, but he, so, and people didn't want to like they didn't want to mess with us because we were signed over Solar Records. So for a long time, we couldn't get any work anywhere else because when they hear you with Dick Griffey, oh, that's all right. Wow, mm. I'm going to pass on you.
2: So for a second. Did he kind of jack you to as house producers? Like, were you kind of the new Leon, Leon Silver's Leon in the Silver's situation? There.
5: He he got L.A. on a contract. I refused to sign, um, but he did get L.A. at one point. And L.A. was was, was doing kind of because L.A. was kind of like the guy that was kind of looking out for the band the whole time and making sure that you know everybody was okay. So in the in the interest of being manager and trying to taking care of the band, being the band leader, he got ended up getting in this contract with, with Dick. And I didn't, I never signed. Um, so he had L.A., and I was, like, not for it. And at one point, I just kind of, like, just started standing up to him. Um, Dick was, he, he was a brilliant guy at the same time, though. Mm-hmm. You know, he knew, um, I, I can say that I don't think that our careers would be where they are without him he did have us come out here he did um open up his doors with a studio where we worked over there mm-hmm. for for years and, and learned our trade we learned how to produce under his hat under his house
2: what was his what was his muscle like at radio because i want to know how much of say okay let's take rock rocksteady how much is that Hey, this is a really great song. Let's make it a hit. Or how much was like Dick how much she says this is a hit. <laughs> right? Yeah, like how how does that work out you know, without you uh, uh, <laughs> <out>.
5: incriminating anybody. <laughs> yeah. You know, you 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 obviously had your independence, you know, um your, your promoters and uh that you, you'd send out there uh your A&R guys that would find find the songs and you had had the guys that you would pay to go out and get the songs played. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of that and a lot of, a lot of pain different folks. But the reality is, is, that you can't, you can't really buy a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, a song was going to ultimately take off because it was a good song. And so he might've had a song that he believed in. And if it wasn't that one, then it just wasn't that one. Uh, but the difference was is that he was finding artists and and finding producers that actually were giving him great music, and he's he's the one that picked it out and would say, "That's the record. This is the one." Part of the reason why I have a solo career in the first place is because of Dick Griffey. Part one of the stories is when we were doing our second album, mm-hmm. um, the Second Deal album, our Second Deal album, Eyes of the Stranger, um, or... Material Things, Material, material things. things. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, only reason why we were producing that is because the manager that we had had fell into a lawsuit with midnight star and we had we shared the same ma- manager so midnight star decided that they were not going to uh pro- shep to, gordon nope um uh, okay that was before him, pablo davis okay okay um shep was afterwards okay. they were not going to produce us produce our next album so we were kind of like left there open without a producer
2: so the callaways did the first album
5: callaways did the first album.
2: Aha. Um, okay
5: and R- 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 reggie callaway did the first album okay and uh So then it was on us to do it or someone to do it. And then Dick called me in LA and said, well, won't you guys do it? And we said, okay, (laughs) Uh, sure. You could do the record. Go do it. So we decided to go in and start recording the record. So we started putting it together. And there was one song called Sweet November that I had sang that I had sent in for The Whispers right um and he said well why why ain't y'all doing this song and they said that well that doesn't really fit la said that don't really fit carlos and d and he goes well then why come why ain't you singing it why won't why, won't why, 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 why? kenny sing it i wasn't baby yet yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and then uh he said well kenny's not a lead singer so I said well that don't make no sense then kenny should sing the song And then i said well we gotta have a meeting on that so we had a (laughs) but inside you were
2: like
4: yes
5: (laughs) not really because i knew it was gonna be some trouble so
2: but but i'm saying that is that you the the what do you call it Uh, yeah like like the survivor's remorse like Uh, did you deep down inside want to sing that song and be lead singer or
5: here's the thing i always put songs first and so I didn't want to give the song away unless someone could do justice to it. Okay. So that's why it's always been easy for me to give songs to someone. If I feel like they took it to the next level, then song first. And so in the band, the guys, that's why I wasn't going to give it to the guys, because I knew they couldn't pull that one off. And uh, and I was hoping that you know Scotty would sing it. So um, when it came back, we had a meeting about it, and they voted that I do not get to sing. Wow. These fucking what? votes man <laughs> voting is stupid Democracy right. right and <laughs> man, uh elect,
3: so send us into to the electoral college <laughs> so dick
5: la talked to dick and uh told him what the answer was and dick said to him so well I, let me put it this way you guys want a record deal then he better sing that. That boy better sing wow. that song. So, <laughs>
4: yikes! Wow. Okay. That's so, good why- shit. <laughs> <sure. laughs>
5: so, that's how I started singing the song.
2: Okay. You mentioned something, and I always wanted to know. Um, whenever I've seen the Whispers perform in concert on television, both Walter and Scotty are singing the exact same time. Who is singing between those two? Ooh. They both sing but there's no flange effect. Like they're they, literally singing they, they, on top they of each other.
5: They, they both sing. That is creepy. They um, are, they are uh, uh, close. One is whispering. Hence. <laughs> <laughs> <And, laughs>
4: so like all their leads are pretty, are, are them both singing. Pretty well, much. Well, on,
5: on the records, um, they will switch off. Scotty's the main guy, but okay. when it comes to the double, then Walter would come in and you know, it's, that's how, that's how it worked.
3: So like Rocksteady, so would you attract them the same at the same time or would it be separate? Uh, you you still do it separate, but okay.
5: they just match. They're close. That's crazy.
2: So they're both singing simultaneously. I'm so like, okay, I'm gonna take the bridge, and you take the verse, and I'll do this ad lib, and you do that.
5: It, mm. it depends on you know if it's the chorus going, then you'll see both of them going. But they would they'd be split <laughs> off. Cause it's,
2: all right, so I I just got another batch of Soul Train, and um, so they're doing Lady. Okay, and so all the goo gwee gwee part is happening. Yeah. But they're literally just doing it both at the same time. <laughs> I'm, like,
4: I'm like, is no <laughs> one freaked out <laughs> that
2: they're just literally singing like at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, get you, baby. Like they're singing at the same time. I'm like, how? Okay. Oh, and so that didn't not freak you out. It's just like they just sang together. No, th- and- yeah,
5: they just sang together, and that's. I mean, like I said, most of the time we, it would uh, Scotty would lay it, and then Walter would come in and shadow it. That's crazy that is crazy
2: so was was I love you babe that was your official yes. first single, yeah, okay, so what would you at least then did you guys well i'm I'm glad you mentioned the time thing because I was like it, it it was kind of hard to ignore, <laughs> and no well, I mean like the just the overall imaging yeah was hard, was unavoidable um when those both those even prince himself and with the time project so was there i mean how do you guys create your own path without getting compared and that sort of thing T- to how do you make a way
5: without
4: going down the same path yeah. exactly
5: uh, um Interesting enough, I think that we were certainly influenced by them. But when you listen to it, it was it was completely different mm-hmm. music. Yeah, it was. Um, but we were certainly as we there was this that word breed, and the way you dress, the way you uh, you know we we wore makeup, mm-hmm. we had, we had eyeliner and makeup all the time. It wasn't like just on the stage. It's like no, that's what you do daily. My mom was like. Do we need to talk about something? <laughs> 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 um, but it was like you know, it was kind of like what you you owned it in that way, and um, and it was kind of like you, it was your your attitude. Uh, it was all part of, part of the attitude, and so that would go as well into the music. and And so our lead singer D, who was really great at coming up with great hooks and and just that whole feel, it was it was really driven a lot by him. And I think I I'm, I brought more of the ballot the ballad thing to it to the table. But then I learned how to be breed and and from the, on the keyboards and um, as well as guitar. It was because there's a certain way that you know Prince used to play the guitar, how he would how he would groove in a very breed style in terms of whether it was funky. But there's also little licks that came from the whole Minneapolis sound. That was we have to we have to say it was Prince because you know when we talk about the time. You know, Prince did those albums. That was, and so he created. It was that's how genius Prince was. Is that he created a whole other sound that was him. Mm-hmm. But it sounded like it was the time.
2: Did you guys uh, ever get to
5: meet any of those guys during the, your during that time touring period? Um, not really. I think we uh, we ran into Jimmy and Terry here at Carlos and Charlie's. There was a club here called Carlos and Charlie's. Uh, and we were scared to go up and say hello. I said, they're they, they, they over there. <laughs> did
0: y'all all have on suits and sunglasses?
5: Uh, like of course Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's Jimmy and Derek. <laughs> Should we say something? No, they ain't going to know who we are. Just forget it. Really? Yeah, and so we kind of stayed where we were. And, <laughs> and, so we saw him a couple times in Carlos before We got the nerve to go up and say, hey, so what's up? When did
2: y'all f- first meet? Because, I mean... Elephant in the room, you two were the <laughs> the
3: yeah. superpowers yeah, of y'all were no, black just, y'all were the twin
5: black yeah. music. No, we were just getting started. We was so we hadn't quite like girlfriend hadn't come out yet and mm-hmm. um and the boys uh so that all that stuff kinda like when it finally came, then it then it kinda hit. But for a minute we were just you know, we were watching Jimmy and Terry win with Janet we was like, We wanna do that, you know. Um and it didn't seem like we were looking for our Janet and didn't think we could never find our Janet and I guess Pev's was our first Janet <laughs> right but um but we kept uh, we were just so amazed by them and their production that that's, uh, that's pretty much who we wanted to be
2: so when the eyes of, uh, eyes of a Stranger was that the official last deal album
5: before you yeah alright before uh,
2: well I mean did they officially break up or yeah
5: we we, we broke up. <laughs> okay. Um, how'd that happen? Is said, uh-oh? there's <laughs> we <laughs> like a story about that happening. Yeah. There's, there's a story in everything. But um, but we were, when we went out on tour with uh, uh, it, Two Occasions was like our big song at yeah. that point. And uh, so it was the biggest that it, it had happened for us. Because initially when we went on tour with Luther and DeBarge, it was kind of a learning moment because we were getting killed every night.
2: I got to ask you. Okay. What was, because we we had Shep Gordon on the show and he shared many uh, Luther nightmare scenarios. We know from his reputation of controlling things. uh, What was touring on a Luther
5: Vandross tour like? Well, and how controlling was it? He first of all, he was nice as hell to us. Um, what? Yes, that's the ever. first I've ever heard of that. He was really nice to us, um, except for like the very first date that we did. The very first date we played was in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. which was it so sucked because we didn't want that to be our first date. Right. We had like five dates in front of it, but it was a a freak snowstorm in the south, so everything got canceled. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up playing our first date in Indianapolis. And and what happened that night was we were in our breed moment, and and some of the guys went a little too far with the breed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And they put kind of some lipstick on along with they. Right. And so it was just kind of a little too rock and roll and we were saying y'all shouldn't do that and they said nah, we doing it so we went up and played and i still remember playing that day and just not really being able to breathe on stage and it was feel like it just was a, it just felt like oh. and then it was over and uh and after we got off stage um the, the uh, tour manager came our, our our road manager came and said that uh all right word came from luther that if y'all don't take that makeup off and stuff like that y'all going to get kicked off the tour and I said, "What?" And said, "Look, they so already—they already think this tour is gay enough already." So, <laughs> wow. And and that was that was a thing at that point And, and right. Luther wasn't trying to, Luther wasn't trying to show that because it just—it right. seemed like good. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and we were we were actually comfortable without the lipstick. So we we actually ended up doing that. But the the whole thing was, Luther when he when we'd run into him in the hallways. He was great. Okay. Uh, in fact, he, he ended up getting mad at DeBarge. So he was so kind of pissed at them for some reason that we ended up getting better dressing rooms. <laughs> <laughs> and so... And then, Thanks, we, and then we, And then we started getting invited into where he would eat, so it would be fried chicken and everything. Yeah. We, we, we got to eat really good with him. So we were like the darlings of the tour, but we were still getting our buzz kicked nightly because we would play Luther. First of all, there's no beating Luther. All right, but we play, and we at, at the at that time, my song was Body Talk, mm-hmm. uh, and we would play nightly. And then at the end of Body Talk every night, it would be this whole thing of we finish, and they say next up is the bars. <laughs> the place would go crazy, uh. and it was just it was hurtful, and so it would it hurt to go out nightly to play and get your butt kicked and so kind of like you know me and la didn't like that and and we felt like we needed to rehearse a lot more so um and try to figure it out and that's when we start figuring it out because we you know we come from cities where you, you battle you don't just get your butt kicked You know you got to figure out how to you know how to win when you go up on stage it's not it's not a thing where you just accept that so one night we got really lucky because l got sick
0: <laughs> what happens when l gets sick yeah
5: that means everybody else t- tried to sing his parts and right and and, oh, it was, it randy and mark yeah, wasn't right, right. cut. best best night we ever had
6: <laughs>
5: <laughs> and then then it ultimately then years later when we had our uh when we started doing two occasions it it it, it kind of turned around and one of the best things that ever happened for two occasions on that tour was um i think i had my wisdom teeth somehow my, my wisdom teeth were impacted and I, I had to get them taken out in the middle of the tour so there was, there was two shows that i could not do and i was just all messed up and so they went on without me you know on a couple of shows and then they said uh you got to come back and do the show cuz you know we got two occasions and stuff so i said okay but i can't do the whole show i can only just come in on two occasions so one night it was it was in new orleans that the um what's the big place of, um, the palace the dome the, yeah super, super dome. dome and uh so i couldn't go on they did most of the show and then they said we're sorry, but you know, Babyface. We say he couldn't make it tonight, but Babyface he he felt so bad that he's gonna come out here and and perform anyway. <laughs> and <try. laughs> so I had on a white suit and I like walked across the stage <laughs> in pain.
2: This is <laughs> the Michael Jackson "Remember the Time" Soul right, Train Awards. Right, yeah, yeah.
5: <laughs> exactly. And I sat down at the piano and and then boom, doom and started and started singing place went crazy it was the first time we got our debarge moment back where they was like it felt like is debarge here (laughs) (laughs) and and so it went so well oh no (laughs) no. i just
3: made it a part of the act
5: (laughs) i was sick every day
4: (laughs) (laughs) yeah hey if it works (laughs) show business that's crazy. It's,
5: it worked well, so and, and uh, then ultimately, we were going through that whole tour and and we were starting LA and I. We were getting more dates for in terms of producing, and the truth was, we we felt like we put more time into we were working on our trade more than the other guys were at that point, point. and so it got to a point where we felt like this is what we need to do. This is this is what's calling us. So it was ultimately LA and I decided that. If the guys want to stay together, that's fine, but we want we needed to leave at that point and, and start producing
2: so how they take the news that we just wanted to produce and
5: they were, i don't ne- but Daryl was also with you guys well daryl well, yeah, right? Daryl was like he wasn't actually in the group um d and a couple of guys said he was never breed enough anyway um, <laughs> bunch of real judgmental people <laughs> <laughs> um so but Daryl me and Daryl grew up together I knew I've known Daryl since eighth grade right so um so he came and um he was always kind of co-writing with us or doing something with us so so we came out here ultimately in uh eighty five and started uh started trying to work out here
2: so was it scary to like leave such an established especially when you had such a major hit? Was it scary for you, or by that point, it was just like, by that, okay?
5: By that point, we were kind of having success with, because uh, that was probably 88, so things were just starting to come together. You know, Girlfriend had been out. and um,
2: How did how did Pebbles come into the picture? Because for the longest, when I used to read Ride right On Magazine, I used to see a lot of stock photos with her and Charlie Wilson. I always thought that was Charlie Wilson's artist.
5: Well, Charlie did Mercedes Boy. Okay, yeah. And so we were here... Uh, in LA and we went to meet with uh Lil Silas and Cheryl Dickerson. We met with Lil and Lil told us about Bobby Brown. Said this kid Bobby Brown is, you know, you know him new edition. He's you know he he's doing this record. He's got this record called Girlfriend Out mm-hmm. and we think he can be hot and we weren't really sure about that yet. Mm-hmm. And then we um also met with Cheryl Dickerson the same day and she said you need to go check out this girl named Pebbles She's in the studio now. I think her record's done, but you need to go check her out. So we got in our car and started to leave. And and when we were in the car that moment, then we heard Bobby Brown just happened to be on the radio doing a live show. Mm-hmm. And, and he was singing Girlfriend. And he went for a note oh. on girlfriend and couldn't didn't hit it. Uh-oh. Then he said, I ain't wanna sing this song anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird perspective. And, and we, oh, we got to work with him. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what sold us. Cause really he, yeah, because <laughs> the fact that he just like he didn't care, mm-hmm. and that's like okay, that attitude, put that attitude on the right record, and it's that's that's crazy. So we decided to work with him. Then, then a couple of days later, we went over and met Peps in studio. um uh studio called Studio Masters. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and um, when we walked in there, she like had, she was like rich because she like had Asti Spumante. Reunity,
4: Rich. And had all this,
5: nice. It had this fruit plate and we never had all that stuff. She had fruit plate and, fruit and Asti plate boy. <laughs> and so We were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is crazy. What is she, rich or something? Right. And then she played us she played as Mercedes Boy. Mm-hmm. I said, oh my God, this girl's going to be a hit. And so as we were starting to walk out, I told L.A., I said to L.A., I said, this is girlfriend. She's girlfriend. And he said, no, you can't do that. I said, she's girlfriend. We need to do that. And what it was is that we had already met with um, Ed Eckstein. Mm-hmm. <gasps> wow. I know this is going. I know this uh, is going.
4: Vanessa, yeah, that's Vanessa, Vanessa yeah, was Mercury. Uh, yeah, Mercury, yeah, Mercury. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that
0: would have
4: been. she did all right without it. Yeah, we, she yeah,
5: did. We, that yeah, that could have worked. Yeah, we that met with worked. her and we had played those played those records. We had played a few records and ah. a, a bunch of the records they were kind of uh, 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 and we were. I was kind of pissed off about that. And so because I because we had played Rocksteady and stuff and they were like, no, I don't see, I don't hear it, I don't hear it. For and Vanessa? so and well, we were just playing the oh, stuff. So that These we were did. demos or like demos, demos. Wow! Did they sound like the final? Yeah. Okay. We did good demos. Okay. That was <laughs> a good.
2: You did well. Okay.
5: <laughs> and so they were kind of funny on some of the songs. I was like, okay, okay. But they heard "Girlfriend" and said, "Well, we can tri- we can girlfriends. So they were doing. I'm gonna give real numbers. We were. They wanted to do three songs for twelve grand. Okay. Twelve grand all in. Okay. Um. And but that was great for us at the moment there's 12 three songs okay we'll do it so LA, all in all in, including yeah. studio costs. that was studio everything yikes yeah. yes but we were like we done we, we we good for it so then um then we got this uh so we played we played that song for them and then when i when i heard pevs i said this is girlfriend so i decided to take i told la we got to take this song and give it to we got to give it to Peps. We got to give it to Peps. And so Pev's was like, at that time, heard the, I, I ended up coming back and playing the song for Pebs, Says I got to have the song. I got to have the song. Damn. And then Pev's and, and LA said, we can't do this, man. We can't do this. And then Pev's was married at the time. This guy named George Smith.
0: Wow.
5: Yikes. And so Pev's, George had money. Mm-hmm. So George came and said, what you want for the song? Mm-hmm. And then we said, well, um, this is what they given. they giving us this much for the song, giving us twelve grand for three songs.
2: You were honest? Yeah. Shit I'm the only thing they gave us forty for you, they gave fifty.
5: And so he said, I tell you what, I'm gonna give you fifteen for just the four one, so, just for, one. for the one. one. Fifteen for the one. Yes! Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Exclusive. So but and the money was good, but the but honestly it wasn't completely about the money for me like i said it was always the song, about the song, the song right. and, and where did the song belong and peb's she was girlfriend did, mm-hmm. did, did, her, 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 her oh yeah she yeah. was girlfriend and so and and i said we we got to do it so i said la we, we're doing it so la did it and he called ed Eckstein, and ed Eckstein cussed him out yeah and, uh, and and ramon hervey everybody hated la um, You'll never work in this town again. <laughs> it was it was completely like that, and and LA got the whole. It was all on him um, because they thought he did it. But it was they me. didn't
2: try to get <laughs> with
5: it, like we'll sue or none of that stuff. they wasn't not no paper sign. Okay, cool, cool.
0: But can I ask you the song "Girlfriends"? Since you're talking about it, because that was was that your first the first female anthem you feel like you wrote? Because we were, we were dancing to this today in the house, me and my girlfriend, and we were like, "How did he write this? What was he thinking? And how did he know?"
5: I mean, I I was writing stuff like that all the time, so it was, um, you you think about what the girls wanted to say and how they felt. Watching all my children, man. That's the one thing I didn't
2: ask you. What is, and especially for you, because there's there's so much freaking output and volumes of work that you have. What is your daily routine? Do you wake up at six in the morning? Do you always keep a the phone on you at all times are you singing and you have a bunch of answer machine messages of baseline, I, I, uh baseline some, you know?
5: sometimes i do that but then most of the time not because i don't usually go back to it um i always used to feel like if it was a good enough idea I'll, I'll remember it and it'll come back to me
2: Ah, uh, so you don't
5: so no dictaphone. <laughs> no. How old are you? A dictaphone? It's <laughs> from like the fifties. No. So I, I, like I like, you know. No, but 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 you're right because sometimes cause sometimes I will do it and I'll go back and I'll hear something and I'll oh that's actually was a good idea. So I, looking back, I do wish I kind of had sung some things because I would remember things. But it's not necessarily the process. Process is usually just getting in a room and and if it's re- co-writing, if it's getting with people, it's it's the moment and it's the and just thinking of the who we're writing for and what the story is, and and uh, and, and you go there. It's I, I think so much has has had to do with my growing up and being in love throughout from kindergarten on, and always having a heart and and being wanting to be in love, wanting to be loved, broken hearts and all that stuff. My hearts were always being broke. girls that didn't even know they broke my heart because i never said (laughs) (laughs) revenge they didn't even because i never never, so but it was but it was like the whole ronda Nubo thing was a major thing for me because this is a girl i had like a crush on in sixth grade went all the way up to eighth grade and so she was like my first kiss and my first diss and it was like um so it was major and like after that so i wrote my first song about her and i wrote my first really sad song after her as well so it's like here i go falling in love to the bitter taste of life so it was like wow yeah i wrote the bitter taste of life (laughs) all right
6: y'all
0: you know what season it is tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel and if you're like me you're already in your airbnb app I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com
1: slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. at and connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews.
2: Can I ask a question?
1: Yes. Do you find it uh, easier or do you find, actually rather, do you find like your love songs to be better than your uh,
5: breakup songs or vice versa? You know, like... Uh, the what's same. more le- long it's, it's, it's the same. The same? Yeah. It's it's all it's all about the heart. So. Whether it's love or broken hearts, it's, it all comes from the same place.
3: I wanted to ask you about the Bobby uh, Don't Be Cruel album. When you say you heard him, you know, he just didn't care. And, you know, he missed the note and you just heard that attitude. Uh, did y'all come to him with the songs already done or did y'all do it uh,
5: together? Um, the songs were kind of already done. There were songs I had written, like, like. there's a whole story on Roni. Mm-hmm. Man. Wait, th- yo.
3: Th- needed. Remind. Yo, every little step. Every, yeah. I mean we, yeah, to- we already, yeah. yeah we, let's go yeah. there. Let's go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Is there a version of every little step with Ralph? <laughs> singing
2: lead no,
5: no. It's,
3: it's so like, that all that was a
2: lie that's that's a, it's not it's that's not a complete lie okay, oh,
5: okay. you've
4: heard the you've heard guys. The i've heard it
5: and it is a complete lie okay okay Word up. all right we okay. got it clear so roni. all right because so roni, roni, that's like one of my top
4: five
3: baby face songs yeah. ever
5: see roni was that song was old by the time it came out right it was well yeah because this song was actually i think roni came out in 80, 88, 89.
4: 80, yeah, 87, 88
5: 88 88, yeah. and it was written in 82. Yeah. It was written on the uh, Luther DeBarche tour. Wow. Oh, wow. Because we, we went to Miami, and uh, they wouldn't let us on that show for some reason. I don't know why. I'm still a little hurt about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, and so we had to go play a skating rink when nobody came because they were all at the Luther and DeBarch show. <laughs> so that show got canceled, and so we thought, okay, what are we going to do? So we took our tour bus and parked outside of the the arena and we had D stand out front because D was our official lead singer light skinned dude and, uh, <laughs> and so he would he could pull the girls in and so we stood there and uh, kept the door open and the girls would come by and come is that the bars no it's not the bars it did we were supposed to be on the show but we could, didn't make it here on time <laughs> so um, they come and they said well you know we having a little after party over at uh hotel, you guys wanna to come to the hotel and stuff and said fine. So a co- few girls got on and then was one particular girl that got on that was like very sweet girl and I said, Wow, she's she's a nice girl. And so we got to the hotel. Um I don't know how this happened, but Daryl, for some reason Daryl had already met somebody and and I was rooming with him and he said, So I'm I'm gonna need the room for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so I, I couldn't go to my room. So I was sitting in the lobby for a while and different girls would come by and they'd go upstairs and stuff. And then this one girl comes in and I sit with her and I'm sitting there. She comes in. she We sit down and start talking and um, talking about life. And and um, she lives in Miami a little bit and it's really nice talking. And then, then all of a sudden D comes downstairs. He's like, oh, there you are. I was looking for you. Didn't know you was going to. Oh. So he grabs her. <laughs> Oh, All right! Takes him up. Damn. So, Gun cock. so, so he, he's gone upstairs with her. I'm sitting there by myself. So, about ten minutes later, she comes running downstairs.
6: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> she comes running downstairs, and she goes, and she's going, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" and it, uh, and I said, what? He said, I, I got in there and he's like, you know, he's all over me and this and that. And I said, well, what do you expect? You you don't know him. You, you go, go to his room that easily. She said, I, well, I thought he was nice. He thought he was going to be at least nice like you. I said, well, <laughs> what I say? So So we're sitting there. And then finally Daryl comes downstairs and he leaves the room. And I said, you know, I've been sitting down here forever. So I, I I'm really kind of tired. I'm going to go ahead and go to my room. She says, well, but I'm stuck here by myself. I said. Sorry, she says. Well, do you mind if I come to you? To <laughs> so I said, okay, you can come up. So we go up, we sit, and we talk about all my children. And uh, <laughs> right,
6: right. Right, right.
5: and uh, and then she says, you know, says, you're in, if you're here in town tomorrow, we can. I can show you around. I said, oh, sure. And then finally, she gets a knock on the door from her her friend that was there in another room, exactly. <laughs> and she says, I'm ready to go. So okay, so I decide. I'm gonna walk her downstairs. As I'm walking her downstairs, then D steps out and he says, What is this? Ah, oh, this ain't right, this ain't right, and some other, other choice words. And uh and says, This Jacoby stuff gotta stop. And uh, so <laughs> Jacoby, exactly. <laughs> now I'll explain Jacoby. <laughs> from all read, my yeah.
6: yeah, yeah.
5: Now Jacoby was a character on All My Children.
4: CBS, <laughs> <Yeah>, baby.
2: Yo.
5: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Man. We need a baby face Yo. glossary to hold this episode. We,
2: <laughs> we ain't never get to 1995 at right, this right, point. Right. Go ahead.
5: So Jacoby uh, was a guy named Steve Jacoby who actually broke up Cliff and Nina. And Cliff oh my God. And, and And Cliff and Nina, they would never get broke up, but Jacoby <laughs> actually came between them. And so the word was if some if you was with a girl and then you have to be worried about getting Jacoby because one of the guys might take your girl any second. And it was it was rampant. Oh, this is great. It was rampant. And so people were kind of scared. You know, you kind of like had to hide your girls because you didn't want somebody to come in and take your girl.
2: Barjack right, you.
5: Exactly. That's funny.
2: We would say New Jersey Drive on, oh, okay. on Root Stores, oh, okay. but Jacoby. So, New Jersey Drive. So he, he, he's out there. It took me a
5: second. He's out there. He goes, oh, this, this stuff got to stop. This is wrong. This is wrong, you know. And we need a meeting tomorrow. We need to have a meeting. So the next day we had a band meeting. Oh, and uh, about groupies, we <laughs> like,
0: <wait>.
6: about
5: Jacoby.
4: <laughs> oh right, your, your girl chose. And so, me. Right, so it yeah, came man. up.
5: So it came up. Yeah, this got us up. This whole Jacoby stuff is like it's getting it's, get, it's 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 getting, getting out of hand. It's getting out of hand. And so, uh, and I stopped and I said, "Wait a minute! I didn't, I didn't Jacoby you F- first of all. Um, this girl, this girl is sweet, and and um, she's a rony, a Roni. And, Roni. and and and." and, and you know, this is the kind of girl. If you treat her right, you know. In, hey, in, that's you know, a lyric. Right, right, right. A, I mean, the truth <laughs>
4: about, about Roni.
5: No!
4: She's <laughs> a sweet no! little girl, but, no! the no! girl <laughs> but the sweetest little girl in the whole wide world.
5: And, and, and bang, and then bang, it hit me right there, and I went upstairs right after that meeting on my Prophet uh, Ten and wrote, oh, and wrote wow. Roni. Ooh,
6: wow,
2: man
5: one. I come back again, select. Dude, that was amazing.
2: God! Wow, Jesus and Christ!
5: So, years later, that ended up being with the ro- the word "rony" was about to say was, was an old word at that point. Okay.
2: But see how about James Ingram made it up?
5: Yeah, from BYT. you so it was an old word at that particular point. But then, you know, it was used again, and because I said if a if if a word just sounds good, feels good, you can use it again and again. And as a matter of fact, that I used it again in "Can We Talk." That's right. Ah, you did. Ah. And and Tevin Campbell said, nah, that word's old. Watch. And just like a ronan. Yeah. Yeah. So you can use them again.
2: I see. So the, I guess the phenomenon that was Don't Be Cruel. Um. I mean, no one one saw that coming, ever. Uh, No. How did that change? Like, what do you feel... Your moment was like, well, was, we've arrived. Like, was it with that record? Was it? I think
5: I think it was a, a lot with that record. It was. It was a lot with Bobby to watch it happen for Bobby because, see, Bobby was a, a underdog at that particular point, and so we were. I think in North Carolina, we were at a show in North Carolina. They did that tour where it was Bobby and um, new edition and I'll, sure. I'll be sure. Bobby opened the show, right. In six months, maybe less, Bobby was closing the show. So I was there, and we were there at this show where Bobby had already been on and no one was there. And then we walked in on the side of the stage while I'll be sure was on the stage. And Bobby walks out, and this whole side starts losing it. right? And I'll be sure thinks and, thinking it's, it's like, him. Oh, <laughs> poor Al. But it was Bobby Brown just standing off to the side. There,
2: so Chris Rock has a story where he was with Albie Shore the first moment that Albie Shore heard the "Don't Be Cruel" album. Oh, really? <laughs> on yeah. The, yeah, like literally, they're in the back of the tour bus, and he, Chris Rock is like, "I literally seen Albie Shore watch his career go away." He knew as it was he's, over by the yeah. time Side Two came on. He was just like deflated. Like his whole body uh, language
5: was. Well, look, it 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 was a lot. It, it was a lot on the material, but it was really the. The thing about Bobby Brown he was and still to this day, I don't think I've seen a performer like Bobby Brown like he was in the early in his 90s, prime right? in his prime he's like a like a fighter like like Muhammad Ali in his prime there still, I haven't seen any artist have that thing that he had about himself um swag it was yeah, it was amazing 'cause we're not we're not talking about the best singer in the world, you know um but we are talking about an entertainer and who owned it. And, uh, and that was, so we got more than we bargained for it. You know, I, out of it, we, I think we helped him find it, himself in, in that, in that way.
0: Did you watch that new edition special seeing a lot of truth in some of the,
5: yeah, I did the music.
2: Yeah. I was about to music. say, yeah. you're executive. For, what does that entail? Like, we, we Do did, you and Lewis have meetings about stuff, or is it just they, like they
5: handled like the stuff? Most of the stuff they did, and I did all the, all the all the other things. I did the earlier, um, new edition stuff. You know, the um, with the kids stuff, and then all, all the Bobby Brown and, and Johnny stuff as well. Okay,
2: um, to, briefly, I want you to uh, talk about the boys because whenever they were on television, like Arsenio or whatever show, I always felt that they were like way more. They were definitely intelligent beyond the
3: kids group.
0: The Sons of Light.
3: What they what they were. Oh, that's where they yeah, were? That's what they, that's are, what now. they that's what are now. That's what now. they are that's now. That's what they are now, yes. yeah. Yeah. Really? Yes. They're like in Africa, I believe, somewhere. And like mm-hmm. there. They've been there for like the last 15 years or something. Yeah. Like I did not know that. Yeah, Kyrie, the, the oldest one, he ended up producing. I want to say he did some stuff on like the solo album, the, yeah. the jamming. I mean, we can ask him about it, But he did some co-production on there. I really? Like,
4: Hakeem yeah. did some. Uh, actually, Bilal, too. No, Hakeem. 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 Not on that, but you just did a lot yeah. of production work.
2: Oh, because
4: I was going to say, what happened to those guys? Cause I... <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, if you don't know, now you know. Yeah, they live in. They live yeah, it. It. yeah.
2: Yeah, we can, I guess we could just start cherry picking our f- favorites. I mean, because there's so many to ask about. How, well, the boys, okay, probably, him, but the boys was a good one. But the
0: boys was the good one. You.
2: Okay, well, what was it? I mean, was it just like, here's your song, get out, or? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, at this point, Kinda, you, you and no, no, you look, and L.A. are turning into a machine. Right, right. Well,
5: the, but they were at the very beginning. So when when, when we got that deal, when we started working with them, because that was through it was through Motown, and, and it was kind of a favor to Sharon Cheryl Dickerson. Okay, you know, since I got this kid this kid group, and you know they could sing. Okay, uh they needed. um They it wasn't you know they weren't the Jackson Five. Nobody everybody was always looking for Michael and there wasn't really a Michael there. But they had those kid voices that like, you know, um just required uh, just required the right kind of thing and, and I al always wanted to work with like new edition and wanted to write new edition records. So that was my chance to kinda like do a new new edition y kind of songs. And okay. And uh and so, you know, the the whole dial my heart and this dial my uh, heart. And the exactly there was and um it was fun to it was it was fun to do it, and we didn't the funny thing is that we don't I don't think we were ever thinking as we were doing these these things that everything was going to turn to a massive hit uh there was at a point i think maybe we would have had, had a different attitude with things, but we were always kind of like so happy that things worked and and felt blessed that it wasn't really anything where we were popping our you know chest out about anything because we were all like, really, whoa. That's nice, and then we working on the next thing. So we never stopped to so like, time out to be like, not to. Oh, we built this. Yeah. Thing.
3: Okay. What was the division of labor between you and La in the studio? Who did what?
5: Uh, I was mostly the writer, and um, sometimes La might do a drum track, and I might start to recreate. But usually, I would I would kind of get things started, and then La might come up and and, and do the drums on, it and then I would have a lot of the song kind of figured out in terms of the writing of it then him and Daryl would come and help me finish it up
3: and in terms of uh, like recording the vocals and the vocal production yeah, who that, would have that?
5: that would be that could be either one of us um, and Daryl helped a lot in terms of vocal production as well
3: how um, much
2: patience do you have to have now okay <laughs> let's take uh, alright you guys did Knocked Out right Paul Abdul pa- oh, yes. you would
4: have to use Paul Abdul as an example
2: please. no 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 well, I'm just saying I'm trying to get a hard example so pre Pro Tools yeah how hard was it to coach her through that? Okay. I mean, today I'm certain that you could have knocked that song out vocally in in two hours with today's technology
5: and whatnot. But it, it was work. And um and more than anything, it was work on trying to keep give her confidence that she could do it. She she didn't have a lot of confidence in it and and um LA. Really, I have to give it to LA. He's really, kind of really stayed with her and worked on it to to get it where it got to. But she was she wasn't a, a competent, you know, artist to begin with.
2: Okay. So the recording habits of some of your clients, your clientele, like is it like the lights have to be totally off or the room has to be totally clear? Yeah, or? for for,
5: for Paula's nobody you can't even look at me. Oh, you know, wow. You know, and and that's understandable. And some, and there are some people that that are great singers. Like turn the lights out. I don't want to see you. I don't want you to see me. It, it it you know it, it doesn't. You kind of got to get, get in your own space. However however you get it done. Who's a
2: breeze? Like oh, you can knock that out in two seconds. Like who's your one take, Charlie?
5: Probably one of the best people that I've ever worked with that was like that I was just blown away about how good they were and how in tune in tune they were Celine Dion. Oh wow She's like uh wait a minute is that is that just her singing it?
6: <laughs> really?
5: It's because she was like so on it. Uh-huh. And uh um and there's and and oh Brandy. Uh-huh. Brandy's ridiculous. She's my favorite of all. She's one of my She's just one of my favorite voices of all time. Uh, and the, the way that she can move her voice and, and she's got so much heart with it. I think that she's the, one of the most underrated singers, period. Solange would agree.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So who who is challenging to record as far? And like, what do you look forward to in a good vocal take? Like, I hate, in the world of production, like I hate the process of vocals. Like I, it's like after the music's done, then yeah. I tag team. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Next, I don't have the patience to babysit and sit there. And as, as you as time goes by, it does get more difficult to work with people that cannot sing as well, and and you have to put more work into it. Um, but you have people that are great singers that hate to be in the studio. Johnny Gill hates to be in the studio. Really? He hates- what? Yeah. He he so wants to get in and out of there. Um,
2: so you say like mind my mind to like five seconds or <laughs> he's
5: like, please, Let me get out of here. What what I got to do? You know he he really wants to. He he doesn't like recording. Wow. Um, and oh, shockers. And, and that's that's you know Whitney didn't always love recording. She was like you know what I got to do. What face? What are we gonna do? Let's let's get this done. Let's, got a half hour. Let's let's, let's, let's figure this out. All right. Um. So. And, and so that's what you try to do. You try to prepare it so that you know exactly what you need and what you need to get, and you go, you go for it.
2: How long do you feel you need with an artist to hit bullseye? I, I don't even know if your goal is to hit bullseye. Like, I'm sure at what point are you making these songs where you are now officially the machine? Like it's not like okay, well maybe we'll get Babyface to write us a song. It's like when we're getting Babyface, we expect at we put, least yeah. a top five hit. We expect oh, okay. so I it's almost like you got to get a good performance out of the artist, but then you got to satisfy the manager. And I'm sure the pre, you know I'm sure Clive or whoever the label yeah. president is like, what is this? Um, and what's that pressure like on you?
5: I I always try to just make sure it feels good to me. And, and, but I'm also the kind of artist that, that I'll go back in again and again to do something. And if people aren't happy with something, then I'll, I'll fight to get it, get it to where they're happy for. It. I, I don't, I don't really have an ego as it relates to that. Um, and I always tell everyone that when they walk in a room, um, if they like something, if they don't like something, just let me know. You You can be totally honest. Most of the time, they're not. What's
2: uh, an example of a song? Totally yeah. What's the example uh, of a song that you recorded uh, that the client didn't like that you had to go back in and spruce up a little bit, and then it came out?
5: Oh, okay. It's not bad. Or I don't know that I. I it's hard to it's so many different things. I'm not sure because different things we might work on it a, a lot, but um, we probably we probably worked on Excel a little bit. You know, uh, this is actually the piano that played uh, all that. Um, uh, that whole XL album, I did it over at Record Plant, and okay. it was such a good piano that I, I stole it. <laughs> I was wondering whose name was on Greg and okay. He played. He oh, wow. Played. Wow. Okay. Um okay. But so I think that the whole idea of of someone, if someone's not happy with it, then then I'm, it, it's it's fine for me to go back and do it again. I think that. Um, Probably the person I fought with I fought with more than anyone is Tony Braxton.
3: Really? Mm.
5: Yeah, wow. We, we fight. Really? Oh yeah. Always. That might or be a good thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a place where you're
2: comfortable. Yeah. Or she, is it? She, like- she
5: can. She. I I can fight with her and she'll she'll give in to me. She won't give in to most people, so she will give in to me. But. Uh, but she's a fighter.
0: Has she been one from the beginning, though? Or was no, it like, in the beginning,
5: yeah. I was able to just kind of like, this is what we're going to do. And, and mm-hmm. she was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And um, that's why she do you would fight over
2: Keep Making Me High? I'm trying to guess the song that like...
5: Wait a minute, uh, they were all like
2: number
3: one theory, stuff. Groove th- but,
5: uh, Bryce did. No, Bryce, <laughs> they did well, high. Bryce, <laughs> but your voice is... Bryce just did Trump. No, program, no, we I did that together. That. Oh, yeah, there Yeah, because they, 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 okay. oh, yeah. yeah, it was Bryce brought in... Tony brought the track to me.
4: She said,
5: this is a song... That we cannot figure out what to do, what to do with it, and so I took it upstairs. And we were at the record plant. I took it upstairs. I said, "Oh, this is easy," and um, and went up and I just heard it and wrote it all right there. And then came downstairs and then we went down and started recording. And then I started adding other guitars and stuff on it as well. So
3: one thing I was always curious about in your working relationship with Tony, to me, she always sounded like the female version of you like if you had like a sister that sang like uh-huh. y'all y'all kind of mirrored each other in that way how much of that is her and how much of it is the stuff that you would write for her because of her low range or yeah just yeah just the voice and mm-hmm. uh, I mean she just sounded like I mean yeah, listen I'm to the first Garthard album could be yeah, yeah it could yeah. be him you know what I mean so like, how much of that is her versus you
5: um I think I mean we obviously helped guide her to finding that voice um uh, When we did the Boomerang uh, project, um, that's where Tony was kind of discovered. She discovered by doing songs that weren't her songs. Like, Love Should Have Brought You Home was written for Anita Baker.
3: Mm -hmm. Yikes! Mm -hmm. Yeah, they talk about it. It was in a Tony Braxton movie. They they talk about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't see that.
5: And she didn't, uh, um, Anita didn't want to do it. And so when when Tony sang it, she, you know, I told Tony to sing it like she had water in her mouth. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Has she seen that scene before she sang that song? Huh? Did she see that scene before she saw, sang the song? That sounds no. She to didn't say. see that. Okay. okay, I saw
5: the scene. And okay. it, that's what. Yeah, I saw that scene. I was oh my god.
0: Should have brought your ass home oh, last. Exactly,
5: night. <laughs> that that blew me away. That like show. that was almost like a <laughs> gift to you. Well, right, yeah. yeah, right <laughs> after seeing that scene, I went over to LA's house and wrote that song with yeah. the Bo Watson. We went because it was perfect, perfect words. Um, and then. Um, um, you Mean the World to Me was another one that was written for, and maybe I'll get this one on, Anita. <laughs>
2: nope. Oh, wow. my God. Wow.
5: Okay. okay, now I can see, it. Hear it, I right. can see yeah. it. I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> uh, so Tony's whole first record was. Uh, Anita Baker Demo. You know, <laughs> yeah. And actually, another sad love song was written oh. initially for TLC. Mm. Okay, I can see what? that. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. I can totally or see that. Or for Chili, I guess? Chili. Yeah. yeah okay. Chili was mad.
0: I would have been with, if I was her, yeah. But I'm glad, as a consumer, well, I'm not mad.
2: Did they not want the song, or
5: I'm good for taking a song and putting it on somebody else? We heard <laughs> you Rock. It. We heard Your this. R-B-P- <laughs> rock. We
4: heard this. The song
5: comes first. The
4: song comes this first. Was too...
5: um, what
2: What do you re- not regret, but what other notable trade offs were
5: there? Well, there was one song that almost didn't happen because it was voted to be off the record and it became one of their biggest songs. Um, And they had actually recorded it and they said, uh, and then I got uh, a call from uh, the head of the record company saying, look, they had a meeting. I'm sorry, but uh, I'm gonna try to fight for it if I can change, but the, the song got voted off, so. What was the song? The song was I'll Make Love To You. Who who? command. Who, for who, for who, for no, I mean for yeah. who, who who said no? Not TLC. Voice. No, sure. oh, okay. no, no, I know
0: how
4: many.
2: They it.
5: didn't like it. They thought they felt oh, like it was, felt like no it was too beginning. similar to like end of the road. And so they didn't want to go down the same road. That's what now that's what Gerald Busby told me. What? That's what Tank said. And then he then he called me and said, Well I I I made an executive call and I kept it on there. Thank God for that executive uh, call, right? Whew.
2: But is it still I wonder in their minds is it still regrets like they got them paychecks. <laughs> uh,
5: no. <laughs> no, you know, no you know damn,
2: really it's they interesting. Didn't write it. I mean they were the ones we date, but I'm
5: Yeah, but that is that is the thing what started happening was is that artists start to see that wait a minute, the money is in the it's writing. It's all right. Yeah. So right. everybody wanted to be a part of that instead. And um, So they wanted to write with you? they want to just write period. They want to make sure that it might, what probably happened, it, it was one of their songs. most mm-hmm. of that one. And, you know, something had to, something had to go. And so I, I, I get how you can, how they can get to that point, but it's hard to call. What,
2: what were your feelings of end of the root as far as the domination and, and breaking Elvis's records and oh God, the
3: weak, weak, <laughs>
2: Like at this point, I was like religiously re- reading Billboard, just so, so to see all these like these uh, uh uh like these pundits like speak of oh two more weeks and they're going to beat mm-hmm. Elvis <laughs> Presley. <laughs> <No! laughs> um, like, are you numb by this point, or do you get excited? Like, do they call probably, you like that, we did thirteen? Like.
5: That's probably my problem. Is I never really get that excited about things in general. Yeah, um, and so yeah, <laughs>
6: yeah. And so,
5: so it's more on me. I, I I can only remember screaming one time. Was when I got a a check for um for a song. Right. And my uh, business manager called me. Told me he said you got a check for for uh this one song you got check for 35,000 I said what what did you did you say 3500 he said 35,000 I had never had got that right. money and I was like I said oh my god your first major I'm going to start doing this all the time now uh, <laughs> and uh but but other than that it, the funny thing is is when those things would happen like into the road and I would be very I, I'd be very happy that it happened but I, I also would be ready to move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And, and me and LA talk about this all the time now. We talked about we talk about how we've had these successes in our lives and um and we missed out on them because we constantly kept working and didn't ever stop to smell the roses, you know. And it was just always just kind of like moving to the next thing. And so so when I walk down the hallway and 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 see and look at the work, a lot of the things you kind of forget that you were even part of, you just because you just because you just you're in work zone. And, um, and there's, uh, and being respectful in terms of with the artists that you work and stuff like that. So many artists have come in my life where I wouldn't ask for pictures, you know, say, let's stop and do a picture. And I just be like, just in the work zone. Work. Yeah. Now I wish, why didn't I stop and smell right. the roses? Why didn't I stop and appreciate this moment? I'm here, I'm, I'm standing with Whitney Houston. You know, she's in here in my studio. Didn't take a photo. You know, why didn't I capture that moment? Because because that wasn't the kind of person that I was, was trying to, you know, capture it for, I, I wasn't, I was into the work so Work of it, I guess.
2: Speaking of which, uh, can you talk about the, the I'm Your Baby Tonight project and where it was, I mean, where you and in, in L.A. pulled in to, I mean, because by that point, it was, you know, Whitney Houston was the largest thing in life, but to the point where it was turning against her. Like it was, we were. She's we now were, getting booed at the Soul Train Awards. We were. Too- we were
5: there at the at Soul Train Awards. <sighs> we, we, we witnessed that, and so we we understood. We were brought in to blackenize mm. her. Right. Um, it was amazing when she got booed. I understood why she got booed at the time,
6: mm-hmm.
5: um, and which was really, you know, at, when she, when she would say thank she was uh, thank you she it didn't you know black people you know you better be thankful, mm-hmm. and she didn't seem thankful. It she, it happened it had happened so much that she was gonna thank you, and then walk off. Yeah. wait a minute. Right,
0: is that why she got booed? Or was it performance? Because I can't remember. No, nah, she
2: oh. well she wasn't there the year that they really let the boos out. No, but it was like.
5: No, she was actually in the audience. Huh? She was in the audience, and she got booed, and and it it blew her away. We oh, were there. Just she was name. there. Pebs was there. We were there, and she t- was t- there. Yes, and it was kind of like, oh, this is kind of.
0: So they just said her name. This and sucks. it was
5: yeah, they it was, said her yeah. name, and then yeah. It was, oh, so wow. and 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 because they, they were kind of they were kind of done done with her at that time. And yeah, it was so, just too much. It was
2: like at, at that point she had done everything
5: it was too much and that was a kind of after we had we had already kind of met her and she was uh, she had came down to atlanta to um listen to the uh listen to the songs that we have for her and um played her a couple of records um played her i'm your baby tonight and played her a song called miracle right and um at that time she said uh i love i'm your baby tonight and miracle she said i'm not feeling that one uh I can't relate to that.
2: I want to ask. So in 1990, if you're trying to blackenize Whitney Houston, especially coming off the heels of like my, uh, uh, don't be cruel album and where new Jack swing was at the time. Like a shuffle song. Yeah, it's I was like, that's yeah, very an unusual. It's a non-Orthodox way yeah. to go. <laughs> <Yeah.
4: laughs> it was so
2: <laughs> unusual. Like, I, I mean, besides the way you make me feel, I don't— Is I'm Your Baby Tonight, like, the last black shuffle song that— What's a shuffle song? it's like a, more of a jazzy d
3: da da family matters. Like- oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. is it rare condition? Randy Newman.
2: Think of the way you make me feel. Yeah, think of like James Brown's doing it to death monkey good time. Like some that you two Step to at the barbecue. Okay. Like, I'm thinking in nineteen ninety of like, yo, Cause most cats are like straight up using break beats. And guest verse from this person, that person, you know, like, like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm hip hop, right. you know, right. but y'all went to the two step barbecue. Like, was that, was there any resistance from Clive at the time or was it just like, cause even then, like, besides the way you make me feel like there was no self, there was no song like I'm your baby tonight,
3: that you could even blend with, like even in, blended it I mean, there yeah. was like
2: a house mix to it, but oh, yeah. right. <laughs> it's still like it just stood out like a sore thumb. That's such a risk. Like, what made you guys think like this is our lead single?
5: It was never about trying to follow anybody, um, and it was never about trying to lead either. It was about the song, and that just that just happened to be a really good feeling. And and so as we started writing it, I don't it, it was it just it just turned into that and then started writing on top of it and and that's what it turned into and Whitney just happened to be the perfect person to deliver it. That song could not have been a hit by anybody else. Mm, yeah. Totally. So certain songs it, it, they you know, it was faded that it it was Whitney Houston was waiting for her. That um you know, I was born to to write that song, and Whitney was born to sing that song, and the, and it, and it made the difference. Uh, we we did that last part. We had to come up with the, you know, some ad libs, and uh, and that whole in- ending. And say, we need something. And face face, write something. Write write something, cause I, I gotta go. I, I'm, I'm I don't know if she wanted to go somewhere to eat. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm Gary, got it. So write something quick. So then that then I came up with that whole. Uh, looks like I'm fatal I'm on, on, the 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 table, table, on the table. There you go, the cards. And, the, and so that's why she was saying, "Let's get this over." Let's, let's look, I'm fatal so, are we ready? <laughs> and and uh, but it is, you know, I rarely go back and listen to things that I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes uh, when I go back, sometimes when I do, and I, and I listen to Whitney singing that song, it's so amazing. That uh, the voice that she had and the way that she sung the song, it's like, um, it, it, it's, I, I can only listen so much because it makes me miss her. Um, but um, I'm, I'm just so amazed that I uh, and feel so blessed that I was able to be a part of that, you know, and, and, and part of that journey and part of her journey uh, that she was that it made a difference. It was it. It was nowhere as big of a record as the records that she had done before. She maybe sold six or seven million on that one.
2: Were they more relieved that that happened, or where it what, normalized her? I mean, yeah, it, it yeah, sold. Yeah, units,
5: what, it, it, it sold. It sold well, but it, it was it, what it was. It was something that kind of normalized her and 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 made her like, okay, she's still she's still with us. It's the and, song
0: the sisters could sing in the car when they was yeah. getting it. Yeah, it was it was like, she, she's still with us, yeah.
5: and she's not so pop because mm-hmm. what what they it was a good question. No, they didn't want us to they didn't want to want us to make her uh, hip hop right. Wright. Uh, okay. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, they just wanted her to be a little bit more uh, accessible, and and I think and we fortunately, you know, were able to do that. We went to Clive when we first. Metcly, we went and asked if we could do Whitney in. uh He said, nah. <laughs> uh,
6: nah. I'll Did tell you what, guys already have songs ready for we had, at that we point?
5: Had some, we didn't have songs ready, but we were, I would have written in a second, but she said, "So nah, i tell you what. We can, we'll can let you do Jennifer Holiday. You can do her first. And at the time we was like, nah. <laughs> 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 and then uh, and so which today I do Jennifer Holiday in a second um, cause Prince said something to me um, um, I went up there to a Jimmy and Terry studio and then I talked to Prince for a minute and he said you know we are so blessed that we actually can get in the studio but like Chaka Khan called me and asked me Prince says Chaka Khan asked me if I would do a record on her and you know how much would it cost and I was like what are you talking about I should pay you Mm. You know, to be able to go in the studio with you and work with you. And so when you have these artists that we, you know, that are amazing artists, it's it's just as much a privilege for us as writers and producers to be able to work with those legendary artists. I ain't saying we're doing it for free, but... Right. (laughs) Oh, Oh, really?
2: Okay. All right. Check, please. That's going to do it for part one of our interview with Babyface. Tune in next week for more on QLS. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
3: The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit paramountplus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Tired of not being able to get a
1: hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card?